the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Today is the seventh in a, in a series called Jesus. We're just walking back through the life and the teachings of Jesus and trying to look at the things that he cared about, the things that he did, the things that he told us to do, trying to look at it with fresh eyes and see what we can all learn. Uh, many of you know Jesus so well already, but there's always, always more to learn. Some of you don't know Jesus hardly at all. That's okay. We're all taking this fresh look together. And no matter how much you know about Jesus, here's what I know you've probably noticed. He heals people a lot. Anybody? Have you noticed that? As you go through the story, uh, almost every other page or every other paragraph, somebody's getting healed. So that's what we're looking at this morning. Jesus and healing. And I know that we come from a huge span of perspectives on this because we all come from different places. Some of us have grown up in homes that were, nobody was even believers. Some of us have grown up in very distinct and different de uh, denominational backgrounds. So I know we're coming from a lot of different perspectives. I know there are people who uh, in this congregation have been miraculously healed and been part of miraculous healing. I know people that have lost loved ones and God didn't heal them. Is, do you understand what I'm saying? So we're not trying to prove anybody right or wrong this morning. We're just one more time trying to go back and see what Jesus said and did about healing and see what we can glean from there. And what Jesus did is he started with a semi-biblical uh, perspective that the, the people of his day had. They understood several things from the Old Testament. Primarily, this was this. In the Old Testament, when it speaks of healing, there are a few instances where someone is healed physically. But most of the time, healing was more metaphorical. Just like the words peace and several other ones that we've looked at fairly recently, it's deeper than what we, what we think of when we hear the English word healing. It was more about restoration. And I, I want to share a couple of examples from this of just how, how this, this worked. But also be watching because one of the things you'll notice in all of those stories about Jesus healing people is that there's, there's a bunch of people that are always confronting him saying, whose fault is it? Who sinned? Does this sound familiar? You'll, you'll see both of those ideas. You'll see this idea of restoration, and you'll also, you'll also see this idea of um, it, it must be sin involved. It must be punishment if I'm sick. Here's just a couple of examples from the Old Testament, and then we're going to jump right into the story of Jesus. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 26, uh, Moses has just been part of, of um, restoring some water that had gone bad. And the water uh, was something God was providing for Israel, and yet when they got there, it was making them sick. And so they had to do this miracle and, and make it pure again. And right in that moment, God spoke through Moses, and here's what God said. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, a lot of times we, we, we would translate that word diseases as more plagues. He didn't just make the Egyptians sick. But what God is doing here is he's identifying one of the core ideas about him is he is the God who heals us. 
That includes physical healing, but it's deeper than that. He's the God who restores us. He's the God who breaks us out of slavery. Are you following me? There's, there's a lot more going on than just saying, I'm going to make you better when you have a cold or something like that. In Numbers 12, there's a cool story where Miriam, who's a co-leader with Moses, also his sister, challenges him publicly, and God strikes her with this skin disease that's very visible to everyone, and then heals her, all in the matter of this one instance. And, and again, there's the idea of breaking the covenant with God and, and also sin as punishment and healing as reward. Are you starting to see where they're getting these ideas? And then let's fast forward pretty far into 2 Kings. Uh, Elijah, the prophet Elijah has just come back up to heaven with the fiery chariot thing going on. And his successor, Elisha, has to, once again, purify some water. And in this situation, it says this. Then he went out to the spring and threw salt into it saying, this is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. Water's not sick, but water's supposed to bring life and make things more productive. This water was going the opposite direction. And so what has God done? He heals the water. Isaiah 57 God says, I have seen their ways, and I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. How many have ever heard this one? Or, or maybe heard it slightly twisted like there ain't no rest for the wicked or something like that. That's, uh, that's, that's where that comes from. But what God is really saying is the biblical sense of peace. There's no true unity, no true wholeness, no true healing, no true restoration for people who are resisting God and his plan. Wickedness is just my ideas instead of God's. That's, that's the core idea of wickedness in the scripture. And God said, you're not going to find what you're looking for there. You're not going to find the peace and the healing and the joy and the happiness and whatever else you're looking for if you're rejecting me. I'm the guy who dis- designed you. I know what life's supposed to be like. It's just not there. It's not available without me. And that passage, Isaiah 57, begins with an idea. I've heard this at several funerals. I've actually shared it at some. And it's comforting, but it's also a little disturbing. Because no matter how much we look forward to heaven, on this side, when we lose somebody, it hurts, right? How many know what I'm talking about here? But listen to the beginning of this same passage that we're reading. Isaiah 57. The righteous perish... And no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away. And no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. For believers, the ultimate healing, the ultimate best thing that could happen is when we pass on into eternity. And yet we're all still terrified at the same time. 
And we don't want to lose the people that are on this side with us. All that's normal, all that's healthy, but is this making sense? So to God, from his perspective, healing is a completely different and deeper thing than what we normally see it as. It's deeper. Does it include physical healing? Yes. That's part of what God does. But the concept of him saying, I am the God who heals you, is far bigger and far deeper than just making us physically well. Are we tracking so far? All right, let's go to Jesus. Here comes Jesus, and he walks into this world where they know this. They know that the Messiah is somehow going to bring healing. And they probably understood most of the prophecies about that the blind would see and the deaf would hear and all of those things more metaphorically before Jesus showed up and did it literally. They understood that God was bringing healing. They also really expected that the healing um, always had to do with sin and punishment, healing, reward. That's the world Jesus was walking around in. And here's what we see Jesus doing. Every time he heals somebody, he is demonstrating God's power. And he's healing people in ways that demonstrate authority over creation itself. He's not just helping a broken arm get better by resetting it and, and then trusting in the way God designed us. Have you ever thought about that for a second? Let's just go there for a second. Have you ever noticed that we take for granted that we normally do heal? What an incredible, beautiful design in the original design that even with all the brokenness of sin, we still most of the time do get better. We hurt something, we cut something, we break something, we bleed, we lose something, and somehow or another we're okay. That is incredible. The body just naturally rebuilds itself most of the time. What a miracle that is. But Jesus demonstrated something way bigger than that. People that are genetically born blind get to see are you with me? He goes deeper than that and even raised people from the dead. Every time he healed, he was demonstrating God's power. Jesus was doing what he did in the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, yada, 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 but I say to you this. And he's building on it. He's not totally changing it. He's not wiping it out. He's not trying to say that didn't matter, but he's saying, I'm here to fulfill all that. I'm adding something. And so that's what he's doing with all these things. And in fact, we're going to start with, a, here's some stories about Jesus healing. Are you ready? We're finally there. Just had to lay that foundation. Okay. But he literally comes down off the sermon from giving the sermon on the Mount and heals somebody. Here's where it starts. Matthew 8. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And once again, immediately he's cleansed of his leprosy. And what we see is that this guy has been used to being backwards from that. Does this sound familiar? We looked at this idea just a couple of weeks ago. What happens is the unclean were not allowed to touch the clean because the uncleanness was contagious. But Jesus just right up, straight up, just touches them, and the cleanness in him, the power in him, is contagious and overwhelms the contagion. And that's exactly what he's doing there. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, right after this, this is just 
him going down. Right, here's my sermon. Here we go. Oh, I'm going to heal this guy. I'm gonna, he just keep going. Then Jesus entered Capernaum. A centurion came to him. This is a Roman, somebody they don't want him to even talk to. A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? You just know the disciples are going, no, no, no. no. We're not going to his house. We're not going to heal him. This is a centurion. <laughs> but the centurion replied, Lord, I do not desire to have you come under my roof. I'm sorry, deserve Wrong word, big time. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now here's an example where we see something we really like and something really disturbing and confusing right next to each other. There's going to be a day here coming up soon, so make sure you keep coming back, where we talk about some of these weird, freaky things Jesus said. You try to dig into those. But let's try and stay on track with this story. Then, after Jesus said that to the crowd, then Jesus said to the centurion, Go and let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Do you see the demonstration of power here? Do you see how Jesus is so excited because that guy, this foreign guy, got it when all the people around him didn't yet? He's so excited. He goes, yes, you get it. I'm in charge. If I can heal, that means I'm God. If I can change your DNA, I can reverse viruses, I can change the whole thing just by speaking words. There's only one person who can really do that. And this guy got it. He understood. Jesus goes on. He heals Peter's mother-in-law and a bunch of stuff. But once again, Jesus, through healing, what he's doing is, is continuing to teach this lesson that he, he taught many times, that there is... The new stuff he's putting doesn't really fit in any box we've had before. It's not that it's completely different. It's just bigger than we'd imagined. It's not going to fit anymore. He, he, one of his famous ways that he explained that was he, he said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Does that sound familiar? You just can't do that. It doesn't work. He's saying, it's still wine. It's still wineskins. It's not completely different. He's not saying the old wine was bad and the old wine, but it's just this new stuff I'm showing you is bigger than that. It's deeper than that. It doesn't fit. In fact, one of the times when he said that illustration, the very next thing he did, just like the Sermon on the Mountain in a healing, he says that about the wineskins and then heals somebody. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. 
Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Can you imagine struggling with the same disease for 12 years? Some of you can't. Some of you guys have struggled with that. Some of you guys have somebody that you know and love that is struggling with an ongoing disease. It hurts, doesn't it? What if it's something that doesn't allow you to interact with everyone else? Some of you that are joining us online today, for whatever reason, your immune system or, or whatever it is, that's, you can't be here today. You get this. You understand what this woman felt like. And in one touch, she was healed. Can you imagine what that must have been like for her? When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house, he kept on going. He saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes. He said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And after the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread throughout all that region. Now we're getting crazy. Now he's actually raising people back from the dead. Because he's demonstrating that he's got power that just doesn't fit in our boxes. It just doesn't. There's no way for us to really understand how this works. But just like you and me, even people like John the Baptist still had some questions. You still have some questions? I've still got a lot of questions. The more I learn, the more I believe. The more I see, the more questions I get, and yet the more answers I get, or better questions I get, and the more I believe. But I still have a lot of questions. And so did John the Baptist. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And John knew exactly what he was talking about. I'm fulfilling the thing in Isaiah that you were here to say I would do. That, Dude, I'm getting the job done. I am demonstrating God's power every single day. Another one of those disturbing things we'll look at pretty soon is there was a Canaanite woman who came and talked to Jesus. And at the beginning of the conversation, it seems like he's being prejudiced against her. I don't believe he was, but that's what it looks like. Again, we'll come back to some of that, but I want you to see what he says to her. He uses the same term he used for his own mom, and he says to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. The last miracle that's recorded, especially by Matthew, probably chronologically the last one period, but definitely in Matthew's gospel, is this one. Jesus is on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem. He's on his way toward the, what we call the Passion Week. 
He's finishing up this three-year trek, going everywhere, doing stuff, healing, teaching, all the things he was doing. He's starting to make his way to Jerusalem one last time for the Passover celebration and everything else he was doing there. And as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. See the mercy? They feel like they've been judged and that's why they're blind. But they also get it. They're calling him the son of David. They get in this moment that he is the Messiah. He is the king. Jesus stopped and called him. What called them? What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. Notice the difference. Some of the earlier healings, he's like, don't tell anybody. Remember that? This one, he's saying, hey, yeah, let's go. Join the parade. Here we go. This is it. This is real. We're on our way. Here's the second thing that we see Jesus doing with healing. And we see him doing it across the board. In fact, just like healing is just one of those examples, one of many examples of these two things we're talking about that Jesus always does. Jesus always demonstrates God's power. Jesus always demonstrates that he has authority over everything that nobody else has. And he always also restores relationships. He's much more passionate about both of those things than he is about any of the details. Whether he busts somebody out of prison, he just let John be in there. Whether he heals people, he didn't heal everybody. Are you with me? He's, more, he's always more obsessed with those two things. Demonstrating God's power so that people can be drawn to that and restoring relationships. Relationships with God. Relationship with other people. Restoring people to the ability to live the full life that they were designed to live. And this again in the Old Testament, just for a few more moments, is what Isaiah was prophesying, what Peter quoted, and what Jesus himself lived out. Isaiah wrote about the Messiah. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Why? Because he was hurt. He must have done something wrong. Does that make sense? But, Isaiah goes on, and this is God speaking through Isaiah, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And once again, this is that big, big idea of healing. Are we tracking? Restoration. He's talking about the big picture. Listen how Peter quotes that same passage in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins on his, in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, 
you have been healed. Does that, can that include physical healing? Yes. But it's way deeper and bigger than that. Does that make sense? Are we, are we tracking on that? He's talking about full restoration. He's talking about because of what Jesus, our nature, instead of by nature just sinning, we are being changed into people that by nature do things God's way. Only Jesus can provide that. Only Jesus can restore us in that way. For, Peter writes, and he keeps quoting that same passage of Isaiah, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. As we, as we start to wrap up this morning, I, I need you to hear me on this. I need to make sure that we're really clear. Again, what we're trying to do here is just look at what the scriptures actually say and measure anything we believe to any extreme on any, any side of any issue against these scriptures. Can we agree to do that together? This is what we're trying to do. This is why we're trying to do our best. And, and while I believe with all my heart that Peter's talking about this huge idea, Isaiah's talking about this huge idea, if there was anybody who knew that God could heal miraculously, it's Peter, right? He's not saying, I, I'm not, I, and I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't heal miraculously. I'm not saying that the idea of us being physically healed doesn't fit into the concept of us being restored in every way. Of course it does. It's just, it's not the whole picture. Peter actually not only saw Jesus heal countless times, but we, in the book of Acts, Peter was given a gift of, by the Holy Spirit to actually heal people in miraculous ways. It got to the point that he could walk down the street, his shadow would fall on people and they'd be healed. He, he, that that he, people would touch him with a piece of cloth and go touch a sick person and they'd get well. If there's anybody who understands that healing, physical healing is included in the idea of God restoring us and healing us that way, it's Peter. And I'm not denying that. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. That I very much believe that God still can and does heal miraculously. But Peter also saw Jesus countless times do this. Jesus had been healing a huge crowd in Luke 4 and just all day long healing them, casting out demons. And then he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also. Because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Peter also saw Jesus when he went to his own hometown in Mark chapter 6. And this weird, disturbing moment happened. It says, he, that's Jesus, could not do any miracles there. Except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Something happened to Jesus? Was he just no longer God or something? Somehow, in, in, somehow or another, and we don't have time to get all the way deep down this rabbit hole today, but somewhere or another, our faith is tied in with whether God heals or not. Somehow or another, our sin and it being punishment or reward or whatever is tied in with it. Somehow or another, relationships, wickedness, all of those things we've kind of touched on today, it's all tied in there together. It just... Whether God heals or not at any given time, how he heals, who he heals, doesn't fit in any box that we try to put it in. Except for one. Jesus is king. Does that make sense? 
And this King Jesus has the power to restore us in any way that he so chooses and in any way that he knows is going to restore us. And sometimes in ways that we wish was not true, sometimes the best thing is for us to just die and go to heaven. Sometimes the best way, best thing to happen in ways that we don't want to hear and we don't want to even imagine is that we stay sick. But we learn how to persevere and how to choose joy anyway. Sometimes he heals miraculously and a bunch of us aren't, aren't even willing to ask him for that because we don't think it's possible. But that's on the table too. I wish I could explain how and when that happens, but Jesus doesn't fit in my boxes either. He's way bigger than any box I could ever even want to put him in. I don't want to put him in a box. All I know is that he's the king. He can heal. And the idea of healing fits into a much, it's not a box, but a much huger idea, universe big idea, that he wants to restore us. He wants to demonstrate God's power. He wants to restore us in every way. And that's where we're going to wrap up this morning. How do you need restored this morning? Because I don't care what it is. If you're trying to get away from an addiction, or you're trying to get away from a sin that, that you don't know how to repent of, I, if you've got, I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I, whatever it is, or if it's literally a sickness, a disease, Jesus has the power to heal you from that this morning. What do you need him to restore you from? I need you to throw whatever it is at the feet of Jesus. And, and, and what kind of relationships do you need restored this morning? Is it with God? Is it with somebody else? Maybe both? That's what Jesus really cares about. That's what he wants more than anything else. More than you're feeling good every day. He wants you to be right he wants you to be really, truly, fundamentally healed. We're going to stand and sing as we normally do. Once again, I just ask you to ask God in these next couple minutes as the band comes forward. Ask God, God, what do you want to do in my heart this morning? What do you want me to do about it? And then make that choice as we stand and as we sing.